Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the kitchen table this week. We are finishing up this four episode series, if you will. And primarily it's been focused on teenagers, on understanding their perspective. You've heard from my three teenage girls and their perspective. I have heard from so many of y'all about how life-giving this has been in your walk with your girls especially. A lot of messages have been about your daughters um, and either because you have gained insight into talking with them or you've actually sat with them and listened to the past three episodes and that has become kind of like a, a gateway for your own conversations. And for that, I am thrilled. That was my prayer. I believed when I listened to this time that my girls and I had recorded, I realized what God had kind of opened. And so if you have not listened to those episodes, oh my goodness, I encourage you to go back, listen to them, grab your girls. It's totally appropriate. It's totally appropriate for young girls to listen to. There's nothing in there that's inappropriate. I've had um, some messages asking, can my, you know, 10 or 11 year old listen? Yes, they can listen. Um, But today we're going to finish this grouping of episodes by talking about a question that has come out uh, by multiple mamas in this month. And the question, it's been said many different ways, but the question really is, Bethany, it sounds like your relationship with your girls is just amazing. How do you have a uh, a relationship free of tension, free of that pull and push and pull tug, um, just the, the tension of in being within a mother daughter relationship. Cause it seems like it's so easy. That's kind of the question I've gotten it. I've gotten it in many, many different forms, but that that's kind of it. And, um, and so I kind of want to answer that question both with information and then actually with something my daughter shared that you haven't heard yet. So the first part of the answer for that question is if you believe that I have a tension-free relationship with my girls, it's a false narrative. (laughs) It's a false narrative. It is a lie and um, it's not true. And if my girls were here with me this evening, they would agree. We do have tension. We do have moments where I have an agenda and they have an agenda and they are not meeting. We have lots of moments where I have a lot of flesh. They may also have flesh and our flesh is coming head to head. 
we have a lot of moments of misunderstandings and miscommunications. And we have a lot of opportunities where I honestly, a lot of times have to go back and clean up the mess I made in order for there even to be a path for them to walk with me. And even if, the, if they've made a mess in the mess too, like one of us has to clean up the mess first. And, um, and, and a lot of times actually they apologize before I do because I struggle with my pride, but we, we don't have attention free relationship. So I just wanted to say that because I think we can see on lots of different places and articles and podcasts and blogs and books that are written, how to have this beautiful relationship, this beautiful mother daughter relationship. And when we don't experience it or when it's painful or when it's hard or it feels like it's not working, we believe the false narrative that it's, it's just our fault that we've just messed it up. Now, with that being said, I'm going to share a few things that I think have helped me along the way that I try to keep foremost in my mind. And I hope is it there, these things are expressed to my girls so that as we grow in relationship, because our relationships are ever evolving as they mature, as I mature, our relationships have changed and praise God, they've deepened, but it isn't, it's an ever evolving thing, just like any relationship. So I wanted to share three main points today. And I want to share it in light of a question that I asked the girls that you have not heard. And I want you to hear Abby Grace's response. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to share my three things. But the question that I asked my girls was, have you ever experienced feeling alone or loneliness in high school? And it was a resounding yes, all three, absolutely yes, 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 all the time, yes. And I believe that when we are talking about tension-free relationships with our girls, especially, and we are navigating those waters, we need to understand loneliness. And we need to understand the enemies crafty nature with loneliness. And then we need to understand what the spirit can do in a lonely season. So I want you to hear Abby Grace's response first to this question. When you ask whether you think that that's like a lie that the enemy feeds, I think one of the enemy's craftiest lies is isolation. Mm-hmm. because it looks different for everybody. I think yeah. when we think of isolation, I think the textbook definition is what the enemy used against me, where I withdrew, I pulled myself away, I sat in my room, and I kept everything stuffed inside. Yeah. But I think the enemy is also extremely calculated when it comes to isolating people in friend groups that do nothing to build them up. 
and do nothing to push them to Christ. They do nothing as a community. They're simply a group of people that sit in the same room together. And the enemy can 100% lie to you enough to isolate you in that group that doesn't do anything for you. There's no benefit there. Mm -hmm. And I think in that mind space, what the enemy is ultimately trying to do is kind of twist your mind a little bit and tell you that you're so alone that you're even isolated from the spirit. Because whether you have completely distorted the way you see yourself, that you don't even think that the spirit knows who you are anymore. Or for me, it was, I was so lonely that not even Jesus would want to come sit by me. Like the enemy Hmm. is so crafty in that. But the loneliness that Kendall was talking about is I think when the Lord kind of removes the blinders and when he's kind of just and what Anna Claire is realizing and like waking up and being like, wait a minute, these people I'm surrounding myself with aren't at all benefiting me and pushing me to the Lord. It's the Lord wants your attention. He wants your focus. He's a jealous God. Mm-hmm. And when your time is intentionally set to where you really have no outside distractions, like he will absolutely transform and move in your life. And so I think there's a difference between loneliness and isolation. Yeah. I think the enemy likes to isolate and he likes to bend your mind that you're so alone or so misunderstood mm-hmm. or so ungenuine in all this. But the Lord sometimes brings you into seasons of loneliness where you feel like yeah. you have no friends but I really think that takes it back even to the support system that we have as a family that I know, yeah. unfortunately, some people aren't blessed enough to have. But when you are lonely in the sense of you have sat back and realized that the way and the people you're surrounding yourself with aren't at all growing you, I think that's I think there's a lot of beauty in that loneliness. But I think there's a lot of danger in isolation. And Mm -hmm. similar to the concept of shame and conviction, I think isolation and loneliness are two things that are used as synonyms far too often when it comes to, yeah, comes to walking with Christ. But I think high school, yeah, I was lonely a lot. And it's something even like I was grateful to walk through a lot in high school because it prepared me a lot for college whenever I wasn't, you know, inside my house with my parents walking me through it. But it's hard because we long for community and we long for people, but I think it also makes us a lot, it makes our standards a lot higher for who we want to surround ourselves with. Because mm-hmm. I think it's important to surround yourself with people who yeah. push you to Christ and encourage you and build you up, but also that you can like go on car rides with and get Sonic and, yeah, you know, there's a good balance there. But it's important to it's important to have the Lord be your first companion. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that yeah. I mean, I guess those are my thoughts on loneliness. But I have definitely a hundred percent been in both isolation and loneliness. You see, it's it's profound, actually, isn't it? What she's saying, and she has walked. All of them have have stories where they've walked hard places with feeling alone, feeling outside of 
the group or feeling, even when they're inside of the group, feeling like they don't quite fit or being convinced that nobody really likes them or, and I loved what she said when she said that it looks different for every person and it feels different. We all wear loneliness differently. And so as a mom, you may have experienced loneliness one way and your daughter may be experiencing it in a different way. You may have walked in seasons where you have felt alone but not felt isolated. Just like Abby Grace shared that there are seasons where loneliness can be used by the Holy Spirit for growth and for good things. But isolation is a tool the enemy convinces us of for defeat, for despair. But this is the conversation that we need to be ever involving our daughters in, especially because right now we're talking about girls. And so how do we talk about this? Especially if they don't want to talk. What if they don't want to talk? What if you're in a season with your girl right now and she doesn't want to talk to you? She doesn't want anything to do with you. She's closed down. I'm going to tell you these points. And they're not going to be magic fixes overnight. But I want to encourage you to understand I have walked in hard, hard places with my girls. I have felt the complete shutdown of a daughter who um, doesn't want to open up. And I have underst- I understand the very dark places the enemy can bring your child through in terms of even mental health. Um, so the four points that I want to talk about. Then the first one, primary, is you need to pray. Long before you move in your relationship with your daughter, you need to be in prayer over your daughter. And you need to be understanding that loneliness and isolation is a weapon the enemy uses to come against somebody. He may be doing it in your life too. And you need to be aware of that. And you need to understand what the enemy could be whispering to you. Because very easily in my relationships with my girls, when they were experiencing the warfare of isolation, I also was believing this lie of isolation, which means we'll just leave her alone. Just let her sort it out. Just let her be. She doesn't need you. She doesn't want you. Why do you want to keep putting yourself out there when she's so rude? She's so rejecting. And I'm, I'm just telling you, you need to be on your knees. If you identify that this lie is engaged in active battle with your daughter I promise you it's also an assault on you (laughs) because almost every time that's been at assaulting one of my girls, my belief system begins to backpedal with, well, I mean, I don't, you know, they they don't even want me around. They don't even want to talk to me. They don't even want, you know, and that is a lie. So the enemy will come at you and come at your girl 
your child, your son too. We're just talking about girls this month. Well, I promise we're going to talk about boys, but this is true across the board. And whisper the lie that you are all alone. And we have talked about this episode after episode in this podcast, the truth of what God says, that you are not alone, that he will never leave you or forsake you. But it is hard in those moments to stand in that truth. So you need to get that roadmap in your word and you need to understand what God says about the fact that you are never alone. You need to hold it up as armor and you need to pray it to become true, that you understand that it is truth for you and you need to pray it for your child. You need to stand in their room at night after they sleep and you need to pray scripture in their room. may seem weird. Do it. Do it. Pray for your child. Number one, the number one P, (laughs) pray. The second thing you need to do is you and I really need to give pursuit. So we're praying and we're going to give pursuit. And what I mean by that is we are going to pursue our child the way God pursues us. And that's, it's a little bit unique. So I want us to talk about it for just a few minutes, but you know, God gives pursuit without pause. So he doesn't, he doesn't take days off and decide he's going to give somebody the silent treatment because they were rude to him. And he doesn't, um, decide he's tired of it or he's annoyed he, he is without pause in his pursuit of you, displaying his love, pouring out measure upon measure of grace and mercy when we least deserve it. And so we need to pursue our children despite their response. But we pursue with a patience. So what I mean by that, and what I always have to think to myself with Bethany, you need to be patiently pursuing this child. But in those teen years, so when your child was younger, and we talked about this in ages and stages series, but when your child was younger, you were in essence, the one pulling them forward and pushing them from behind. You were doing both of those things and they were following you. But now we're in a place where they need to decide that their faith is their own and they need to know God is God for them in personal relationship. And so when I am pursuing my child um, in a face-to-face manner, and what I mean by that is I am pursuing talking to them almost in a confrontational way. I'm pursuing uh, conversation in ways they don't want, um, in ways their body language is rejecting. Um, I am in their face. And when it is that face-to-face, it's really not very helpful. I've never really found that to work. But if I can be patient in my pursuit, the way God is patient. And if I, instead of going face to face and butting up against them, if I change my body position, change my mental position from confrontation to being a cheerleader, from face to face 
to a side-by-side position where instead of me being right in your eyes with my eyes, I am shoulder to shoulder with you and walking with you through it. Then I believe that we mimic the way God walks with us. And I believe that that opens doors with my kids. That's the pursuit. So I always am checking, Bethany, how are you pursuing? So you're trying to engage in this conversation, but does this, is this engagement in this conversation face to face? Like it's a little confrontational. It's a little bit like you will talk to me or is it coming alongside a little bit of some jokes, listening very well, a lot of eye contact, a whole lot of listening and a whole tiny bit of talking, not much talking. That is the kind of pursuit that, that God gives for us. He is patient. He doesn't pause. He doesn't take breaks. He doesn't withdraw. He doesn't disengage, but he absolutely comes alongside of us even in the biggest mess we're in. And that's probably the best place that you can come alongside of your child and sit is to walk into the pig pen of their life and not declare how piggy or how pig penny and messy and dirty their life is, but just join them and sit down and let them begin to go. You know, I've, I've noticed I'm sitting in some squalor. And then beginning to ask questions of, well, what can we do? It opens the door so much better. Let the spirit do the convicting work of telling them that they're living in a pig pen. (laughs) You just join them there and begin to be present with them, which is the third thing. So we pray, we pursue And we actively give our presence to them. And y'all, this is a big one in in today's world and culture. And I am very guilty of this one, of not doing this well. We are the physical picture of a very present father. When we are actively engaged in a gospel-centered parenting role, when we understand that our God does not disengage from us. He's very present in our lives. He's, his eyes are always tuned in. His ears are always leaning down, listening. He is actively engaged in our lives. Thank goodness, right? But we are the physical representation of that to our kids. And so when I am not offering my presence, so I'm fooling with my phone, um, inside of my emails, um, dealing with other things. I'm just tuning my kids out and I'm very guilty of this. Very guilty of this. It's very hard. So I'm not telling you, oh man, just kick that to the curb and you'll be great. But I'm telling you this, I promise you this. When I disengage from all the other things and I practice giving my children my presence, it opens doors. It opens doors to hear. Because remember, the enemy is wholeheartedly in pursuit of your child to convince them that they are isolated, without value, worthless, and that nobody wants them around. 
So when we actively practice presence, and we are the physical representation of a very present father, a God who does not turn his presence away, who doesn't get distracted by his phone or by the TV, then we begin to teach them the beauty of a relationship with God. So presence, that's the third. And finally, the fourth, the last one that I have learned that has helped me with my girls to open the doors when I believe that loneliness and isolation and all the feelings that accompany it, which are anxiety and discouragement, despair, depression, whatever you want to call them. And I am not glossing over mental health and saying, oh, it's just fixable by these four points because we have walked through mental health spaces with some of our children. And it is very, very hard. And you, I'm going to encourage you, you need more than you. Like we have had great counselors in there and we have had great help in those spaces. But the fourth thing that I have used actively that has helped me greatly is I have learned what God's peace really is. And when I learn what God's peace really is, then I'm able to exhibit his peace to my children. You see, when I know his peace, that his peace is guarding me and my heart, then I can also pour that out to my children. So this last piece, just like the first, so the first piece said you had to actively pray for your kids. You need to be in the word. You need to be claiming scripture for your children. You need to be praying it over your children. You need to be praying in their moments and you need to be aware of your own needs in prayer, right? Well, this fourth one, so then we had two there in the middle that were kind of like, okay, so you're actively praying and you're pursuing and you're offering your presence. But here we are in this other one. And I'm telling you again, you need to be in the word. You need to understand his peace. You need to understand what it means in Philippians four, you know, because it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And his peace will guard you. And that active guarding, that active military term, which is what it is in the Greek, that security will begin to pour out over your kids as well. But if you don't have it, you can't, you can't go tell somebody else your words are empty. So it does me no good in the seasons where I'm also feeling completely lonely, isolated, worthless, um, like God's kind of just a foreign thing or far off and my walk isn't vibrant and I'm not aware of God's love story for me and what he's doing in me and through me and the fact that it's his power that flows out of me. Like 
when I don't understand the gospel story, then his peace can't guard my heart. And if, if none of that is happening, then it's really hard to, to preach those things to somebody else. Cause that's what it sounds like. It just sounds like a preaching of empty words instead of the story of your life. And your children will respond to the story of your life. It's not us. It's Jesus in us. That's the hope. That's the assurance. And we can't forget that. But the enemy is absolutely at work. And we also cannot sugarcoat this and say, oh, with these four steps, we can just do, it's just fixable. The enemy is at work and he is looking for those that he can destroy. And I want to speak into the truth that I'm praying for you, that you'll begin to understand what it means to be a warrior for him, to be a mom who is a warrior for your child, both in your presence, in your pursuit, but especially in your prayer life and in the, your peace, that you will understand the gospel story very clearly and that his peace will guard you and pour out of you. Walking with our kids isn't easy. Never will be doesn't get easier. I have a almost 23 year old. It's still hard, but I will say this. I am assured of one truth. God doesn't make, doesn't expect me to do this perfectly. He does not expect you to do this perfectly. I say it a lot because I think it bears repeating, but as a child of God saved because of Jesus, I am promised a truth. And that is that Jesus has already won the victory in my life. He lives in me. He fills me completely. His spirit pours out of me and his spirit will lead me and guide me as the parent he is calling me to be. And that is true for you. If you know, Jesus is your savior. If you have questions about any of that, any parts about what does God's story mean for me? What do you, what are you talking about? How can I have peace? This world feels like it's falling apart. If you don't understand that, I want you to reach out to me. I would love to walk with you and um, share with you some truths and anything else. Always feel free to reach out and, and send your questions my way. Send your comments. Um, I love hearing your heart. And until next week at the table, the kitchen table, I want you to know that God doesn't ask you to parent perfectly. He asks you to parent surrender to him. But in that, he promises to abound. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me, and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, 
the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.